I'm Tom Tate, and this is the Power Time Podcast in the year 200NX. Hey, what's up, Power Players? Welcome to Episode 7 of the Power Time Podcast. I am your host and guide, Tom Tate. I will be taking you through the history of Nintendo's glory days, one issue of Nintendo Power at a time. Listen, we are going to get right into it today because I do not have any time to waste. In this episode, I plan to feature 10 musical interludes for our featured game today. So if you dig classic NES game music, buckle up because you're definitely in for a ride and we're just going to keep things moving. So let's flash back. Again, we're going to be taking a a journey here on the Power Time podcast through every single issue of Nintendo Power. So we're going to jump back to issue number seven. Let's flash back to July and August of 1989 when this issue was released. So it is the peak of the summer, and things are really heating up. It is the last summer of the 1980s. So we are entering, you know, kind of that turn of the decade, and you're starting to feel the change. The winds of change are blowing uh, on the shelf at your local uh, Sam Goody uh, or Tower Records. You might spot Paul's Boutique, released in July, uh, a de- definite, definite classic from the Beastie Boys. Uh, If you were flipping through the channels back in July of 1989, you might have spotted uh, a brand new show called The Seinfeld Chronicles. You ever hear about that show, The Seinfeld Chronicles? You may later know it as Seinfeld, uh, which of course is one of the comedic classics uh, in sitcom television. Uh, If you were a little too young for Seinfeld, like me, I was a little too young flipping through the channels, I spotted another brand new show uh, debuting on July 14th, 1989 was Hey Dude, and that was certainly a classic back on Nickelodeon. And then, of course, uh, later next month, August 20th, 1989, a continuation uh, from the classic uh, television show Good Morning, Miss Bliss, uh, the debut of Saved by the Bell, one of my all-time favorite shows, uh, Saved by the Bell, certainly a classic. So this was The Times, uh, fanny packs certainly in, in session, uh, especially during the summers, you're gearing up for vacation. But let's, let's think back, you know, you're walking through your local mall, uh, maybe you just uh, went to the Cineplex uh, to check out a film, uh, and you're walking past that Oshkosh store, you're walking past the B. Dalton uh, booksellers, and uh, finally, you arrive at software, etc., cetera, uh, with the neon sign out front. You can see game boxes in the window, and you look up, and lo and behold, up on that shelf is Nintendo Power Magazine. But this is not just any Nintendo Power Magazine. This is issue number seven, and in all of its glory, there it is, Mega Man 2. So let's talk about this issue. Let's talk about the cover. Uh, we have Mega Man in his red and yellow suit, attacking Dr. Wily, uh, the evil villain who is in a UFO. And this, uh, this particular cover was done in the claymation style 
that we saw earlier on uh, in Nintendo Power with the Super Mario Brothers 2 issue, issue number one. Uh, it's a very dark cover. The colors are dark. Uh, the hair for Dr. Wily looks shockingly real and super disturbing. So I, I try to think back, you know, in the creation of these uh, types of dioramas or whatever it was that that they created to to shoot the photographs that became these covers. And, you know, it was somebody's job to really create these uh, claymation uh these uh, claymation characters and the hair just looks shockingly real. So someone did a great job with this because it's certainly creepy. Uh, I believe that the yellow and red suit that Mega Man is wearing indicates that he's firing atomic fire uh, from the Heat Man stage, uh, the weapon that he acquires after he defeats Heat Man. And I do not think that that's a weakness for Wily. Uh, so they must have just been trying to complement the yellow and red lettering in the Nintendo Power logo uh, by having Mega Man wear the yellow and red suit. It would have been super cool and super nerdy and super uh, Easter egg-ish uh, if they chose one of the actual weapons uh, that were was a weakness for Dr. Wily. Uh, so there's a lot to include uh, in this, this in this cover. Uh, I like this. There's a lot of content in this, in this cover. So it, it's certainly an appealing issue if you're walking past it and you saw it on the shelves. Uh, let's see, still $3.50. Uh, Canada, $4.50. So if you were in Canada, you're paying that extra dollar, top dollar for Nintendo Power. Uh, obviously, the featured game, Mega Man 2, Dr. Wily launches Lunatic Plot. Plus, you get Dragon Warrior, Fiery Fun, Hit Previews, All-Star Lineup. Uh, it is the anniversary issue, so we're going to be checking out uh, what makes this issue so special. It is the one-year anniversary of Nintendo Power. Uh, bonus, you get Super Mario Bros. 2 Super Power Tip Book. Uh, which we're not going to go in too much detail here, but it was an extra that was included with this issue. Paging through, taking a look at the table of contents, of course, we're going to be learning about Mega Man 2. We're also going to be looking at Faxanadu, Dragon Warrior, and a little bit more of Strider. Um, and I have a shot of this cover at powertimepodcast.com slash seven if you want to check it out. All right, like I mentioned, there really is no time to waste with this episode. So before I cue the music, let me remind you of the visuals for Mega Man 2. So the intro sequence of the game had the base of a skyscraper uh, and a city in the background. We have white text uh, to kind of narrate, to set the stage, and it told the story as the music that you're about to hear played in the background. And I absolutely love this intro. Uh, then, you know, we're at the base of the skyscraper. The camera pans up. Uh, and it increases in speed as it continues up the skyscraper until finally we hit the roof and we see Mega Man himself, uh, sans helmet, hair blowing in the wind. Uh, the music shifts and the logo appears. The tempo picks up. Uh, and let's go back there. Let's go back to that scene right now. I want you to just think back to the first time that you remember playing this or maybe the most recent time that you played Mega Man 2. And we're going to go back there. and We're going to listen uh, to that intro music right now in the year of 200 and X.
Dr. Wily, genius, evil scientist, and all-around instigator of chaos, will stop at nothing with his plans for global domination. His first scheme is for the obliteration of that do-gooding hero, Mega Man. Yes, Mega Man, defender of freedom, has launched an assault on Skull Castle. But before he can come face-to-face with the dreaded Doctor, he must meet the fearful guardians of the Doctor's realm, the wicked Wily Force. This is Mega Man 2. So the music that we heard was Mega Beardo with the intro and the title theme from his uh, guitar tribute album to Mega Man 2. And we're going to be playing a ton of music uh, for this particular episode. So if you want more, if you want to hear more, be sure to check out the show notes for this at powertimepodcast.com slash seven for links to all of the artists. Because like I said, Mega Beardo has an entire album full of music from this game and every track is amazing so i wish i could play every single track but i'm going to be mixing it up playing from a bunch of different artists uh and it's going to be a lot of fun if you want to hear more powertimepodcast.com slash seven so the opening page uh shows a crude cartoon of wiley painting glue over the Mega Man logo and he is going to replace it with a metal dr w sign Uh, So this is a really, really crude cartoon drawing, uh, but it definitely uh, shows off some of the characters, some of the enemies. It shows off Wily. Uh, Turning the page, uh, we learn a little bit about the three special items that Dr. Light, Mega Man's creator and mentor, had created for Mega. Uh, And these were in addition to the game compared to the first Mega Man that was released. So you get these three special items. We learned right away uh, that these will become available after defeating the Airman stage, the Heatman stage, and the Flashman stage. Uh, there is the levitation platform, the jet sled, and the wall walking platform. They all had different abilities. Nice additions to Mega's uh, repertoire of special powers. These definitely came in handy uh, for getting some secrets and making it past some challenging segments of the game, which we'll talk about in a little bit. We're then told that you can defeat the bosses in any order that you want. And we're just going to follow the order from Nintendo Power that they recommend uh, in this particular issue. So without delay, let's check out the first featured stage. This is the one-ups with Airman.
So Airman Stage had these floating tiki robots. You may remember these. You had to jump on them uh, and go from one to the next while avoiding these little uh, spiky, spiny things that came out of their ears at the top, uh, these little drill missile things. Uh, and there were also these robots that were basically fans. They had fans at their core, and they were trying to blow you away. And I remember this specifically, the resistance from the wind uh, was a really cool new mechanic for NES games at the time. I remember Mega Man games were always really uh, interesting to play because they introduced some of these new mechanics, such as wind blowing you, uh, the resistance of water in certain waterfalls, uh, or treading through water. Uh, a lot of interesting stuff, a lot of fun things that kind of mixed up the gameplay and made these level designs interesting. So next up, we have uh, Arm Cannon with Mash Crayon, a.k.a. Crash Man. So Crashman stage was absolutely great. Uh, there were these rolling platform mazes that you had to navigate. So you would jump on these moving platforms and they would just kind of move through these uh, wire mazes and you would have to avoid floating enemies that would be coming at you. Uh, and then you ascended a series of ladders uh, towards the end of the stage and choosing the right ladder to go up would get you the best power-ups like an E-tank, uh, an energy tank. So you would kind of figure out the, the do's and don'ts of the level as you move through it uh, to get the optimal, uh, the optimal items. But we're going to keep things moving now uh, with the advantage 
uh, playing the stage select screen music and then going into the theme to Metal Man. So I always played Metal Man's stage first, and maybe it seems that the Advantage did as well as they went from the stage select screen music into the theme to Metal Man in this particular track. Uh, but lo and behold, we are going to stick with Nintendo Power's order. So Metal Man's stage was incredibly challenging. Uh, most of it is spent on conveyor belts. Again, really interesting mechanic game mechanics. They would kind of change the resistance of how you ran. And you would be on these conveyor belts as you try to avoid crushing uh, spike enemies that would drop down. And these reminded me a little bit of the Womps that we would later see in uh, Super Mario Brothers 3 and Super Mario World. Uh, and there were all kinds of enemies that would come at you in this level. Uh, and Metal Man is actually one of my favorite uh, boss fights and one of the best uh, weapons that you get. So you get the Metal Blades after you defeat Metal Man and they... Uh, are absolutely deadly on most of the enemies and most of the bosses uh, in Mega Man 2. Okay, so up next, uh, we have Man on Fire by the Megas, uh, featuring the music from Heat Man. See 
All right, we are turning up the heat now. So here's one of my memories from Mega Man 2. Heatman stage had a disappearing block segment uh, where you had to time your jumps perfectly to progress through kind of a maze of these disappearing and reappearing blocks. Uh, so one of the things that took me forever to figure out as a kid, uh, but it's clearly shown here that you can do it. Uh, so Nintendo Power clearly exposes that this is a thing. Uh, you can use the jet, sl- the jet sled, uh, which I, w- I just called the jet rocket uh, as a kid, but that special item, you can use it to just jet across the board at this particular stage of the level. Uh, and I didn't remember this, uh, but you could also use the crash bombs after defeating Crash Man to destroy some of the barriers in the stage, which makes it a little bit easier. Uh, so if you had that issue of Nintendo Power back in uh, July, August of 1989, you were just breezing through the Heat Man stage uh, unlike me, you know, who just went through so many, so many deaths uh, trying to get past the disappearing block segment. I had the password scribbled in the back of the booklet, uh, and I just kept kept punching it in. So uh, we're going to keep things moving. Up next, uh, we are going underwater. Let's check out Careless Juja's rendition of Bubble Man. All right, so Bubble Man stage was also a lot of fun, and I always enjoyed the underwater levels in Mega Man and the Mega Man X series, and this one is no different, and it introduces some of those interesting physics uh, from running and jumping underwater as well. Uh, So there are also these black spikes that cause an instant death if you brush up against them, even slightly. Uh, So this is a very, very challenging level. I definitely remember uh, struggling through this level as well uh, back when I was a kid. And after we beat Bubble Man, uh, we get the Bubble Lead, uh, which is which is an awesome weapon, and it actually comes in handy when you're fighting against Wily later in the in the game. Uh, but right now, it's time for Woodman, uh, and here is Mega Ran's uh, track "Grow Up," uh, which actually has the Woodman uh, theme music uh, as the beat. Lesson to learn, but I recovered fine. Couldn't beat pitfall and got tired. 
shrine. But when the NES came around, I had to get down. If you ain't have it on the block, then you was bound to get clown. My game was Super Mario, I played it to death. First to get a hundred men kicking turtles on the step. Learned that from Game Pro, but it's a shame though. Nowadays, video games ain't the same, bro. Too complicated in the game worth the price. You know something, they a lot like life. And that's why I just can't seem to grow up. I said, I just can't seem to grow up. But you know what? What? I don't think I want to. So again, Woodman was a killer, killer stage. Uh, there's some really interesting enemies here. Most of them are modeled after animals that you would find out in the wild, um, like the atomic chickens uh, and, and the mecha monkeys. Uh, Woodman uh, also had one of my favorite attacks. So when you get to this boss battle, uh, Woodman has the leaf shield. Uh, and this concept of kind of a circular shield surrounding the boss would be repeated uh, throughout the series as well. Most uh, Mega Man games have at least one boss uh, which has this kind of uh, shield-type uh, weapon that they would use against you, and then you would later get it uh, after you defeated that enemy. I believe uh, Skullman in, in Mega Man 4 had this. Uh, that's what's coming to mind right now. Uh, but yeah, great, great boss battle and great weapon that you get from it. So we don't get the full maps and strategies uh, for Flashman and Quickman stage. So in every uh, page so far, uh, we've been getting a full... Uh, two-page spread on each of these levels with full maps and tips and tricks uh, a little bit about the boss battles but not too much uh, but for flash man and quick man we don't get those uh, we just get a little teaser uh, we will hear some of uh, music from those stages in just a bit so if you're a fan of those songs uh, stay tuned uh, but we do get a little teaser here of the dr wiley stage we learn a little bit more about the game's options. Uh, so Mega Man 2 actually had two separate difficulty settings, uh, normal and easy. Uh, and I quote uh, from Nintendo Power, Mega Man 2 had an awesome new password system that makes writing down and entering passwords a breeze. So I personally cannot imagine playing through Mega Man 2 without a password system. It would have just been way too impossible uh, to make it through in one sitting. Uh, and really get through all of those stages. Uh, but we're going to be right back in just a second. We're going to talk about the history of this amazing game. Uh, but first, let's listen to The Advantage one more time, this time covering Flashman.
I totally love that track. Uh, really, really awesome. Again, that was the advantage with Flashman. So let's dig in. Let's talk about the history of Mega Man 2. Obviously, Mega Man 2 is the successor to the original Mega Man. It was released in Japan in 1988, and then it came over to the United States in 1989. Uh, Of course, uh, the Mega Man series was published by Capcom. This game was directed by Akira Kitamura. Mega Man 2 also brought back one of the credited forefathers of Mega Man, Keije Inafune. Uh, So Mega Man 1 is, in retrospect, uh, an absolute classic title in the history of video games. I don't think anybody would debate that. Uh, But it wasn't incredibly received upon its release. Uh, It it sold well, uh, but I don't think it sold uh, nearly as many copies as some other games did at the time. You know, for starters, uh, there was no password system, and there was also a pretty pointless point system, uh, mostly, you know, brought over from the arcade days uh, in place really just to rack up points for bragging rights. Uh, So this game, Mega Man 2, almost didn't happen. There wasn't enough kind of juice behind Mega Man 1, in the United States at least, uh, to really, really push for a sequel. So according to an article at HardcoreGaming101.net, Inefune Uh, he had to go talk to his higher-ups at Capcom, and they reached an agreement. And in between the development of the home port of Legendary Wings and Professional Baseball Murder Mystery, the Mega Man staff worked on the sequel as a pet project over the course of four months. So I want to talk about this statement, and I want to break it it down into two, uh, two, two aspects. So the first one is, I cannot believe that there was a game called Professional Baseball Murder Mystery, and I have to seek out and find that game, and I have to play it. So if anyone out there has played Professional Baseball Murder Mystery, please, please, please contact me on Twitter at at YoPowerTime. Uh, let me know because I would love to talk to you and, and talk about this game. The second thing, so this this was a pet project. Mega Man 2, one of the greatest, uh, renowned one of the greatest Mega Mans in the series, uh, was a pet project that was completed over the course of four months, which is pretty, pretty awesome if you think about it. Uh, Takashi Tatishi. Uh, and again, I apologize for all of the Japanese uh, name badgering. Uh, it's really not my intention. Uh, but Takashi Tatishi is back uh, for the score of this game. And as we've heard already, it's really just some of the best music, not just on the NES, but in the history of video games. Very, very prolific music. Uh, it's been covered countless times. Uh, it's been covered by orchestras, metal bands, rock bands. We're even going to listen to a mariachi band cover the Dr. Wily theme. Just a lot of really cool renditions. Uh, some other fun facts from Mega Man 2. Uh, this game was featured on the first cover of EGM magazine. So if you remember Electronic Gaming Monthly, uh, this was issue number one for EGM. Uh, another great magazine that was out at the time. Uh, It also received a Worlds of Power novel adaptation. So again, we talked a little bit about Blaster Master uh, and a few other games receiving this this novelization treatment. Uh, And I I remember this one specifically because it had that just terrible, terrible uh, cover. The cover art to Mega Man 1 and Mega Man 2 was just incredibly awful. In Mega Man 2, uh, he's holding a pistol um, and he, you know, doesn't hold a pistol. Of course, Mega Man's uh, gun arm is is attached to him, uh, so it was really really terrible box art. I, I 
I urge you, if you don't remember, just to Google image search uh, Mega Man 1 and 2 and just look at the box art. And I remember the Worlds of Power novel adaptation had that terrible box art as well, except I, I believe the pistol was removed uh, because this was a kid's book uh, that, they, that they were selling. Uh, fun facts, interesting facts. Uh, you know, I, I like to really just dwell on the fact that this was a pet project because if Mega Man 2 wasn't successful... Well, if Mega Man 1 wasn't successful enough for Mega Man 2 to exist, you know, if this didn't happen, you know, we likely wouldn't have seen the continuation of the franchise, which would have been a total shame. Uh, And, you know, for me personally, I would not be the man that you hear today standing here uh, talking about Nintendo uh, week after week. Uh, This this really shaped my gaming history. Uh, The Mega Man X series, of course, as well. Uh, just tons and tons of memories playing through all of these games. Uh, so let's listen quickly uh, to the mini bosses, uh, Mega Man 2 medley. Particularly, I'm going to cut out the segment featuring Quick Man's music because we haven't heard that yet. So this is Quick Man. All right, we're back. So let's talk a little bit about our memories of Mega Man. So my fondest memories of Mega Man during the NES days are from Mega Man 3 and Mega Man 4. We're going to dig into both of those titles in the future. And I did love Mega Man 2, but as a child, I didn't own this title. So it was an occasional rental for me. It was very challenging. I was younger, uh, way too challenging for me at the time. So I never made it that much further than the first or second Wily stage. Uh, and I never really beat it. Uh, so it was fun, but it was fun in that sort of challenging way uh, where I never got really too attached to it the way that I got attached to Mega Man 3 and 4, which I which I owned. I owned both of those games. So I tried a little experiment this week. This week, I took to Reddit to hear what the community remembers about this incredible game. And two stories stood out from the Reddit community, and the users agreed to let me share those stories on the podcast. Uh, so I'm going to read now. Uh, a recollection on Mega Man 2 from Emorton Jones, uh, Reddit user Emorton Jones. Okay, here we go. I was 13 years old and on a holiday in France with my parents. We visited a giant supermarket called Carrefour. In retrospect, it was more like a Target or Walmart with a huge supermarket in it. The electronics section had a video game section and there was a demo of the NES uh, unit playing Mega Man 2. I played it until my parents came to pick me up, and I told them I wanted to buy Mega Man 2 with the money I got for the holiday. They allowed it, and I bought the game. But then, I had to wait two whole weeks 
before we would return home and could play this awesome game again. Those two weeks were long. I kept the game in my parents' caravan, and every couple of days, I would take it out and read the back of the box and watch the pictures of the game. I still remember the long drive home and coming home. I remember going to my room. It was warm. I opened my window to let some fresh air in after three weeks of being closed. I switched on the old Philips color TV, opened the Mega Man box with care, and put the game in my NES. I switched it on and played until my mom called me down for dinner. I played it every day until the holiday ended and school started again. I then played it every afternoon. It took me a couple of months before I learned to master the game and finally beat Wily. After that, I kept playing it, because, but less and less because, until finally one day, I put it away with my other games and my NES. I got an S- NES, and it was much fancier games. I still have that NES and that Mega Man 2 game in its box. Man, I just love this because I remember that. I remember getting games, you know, maybe for whatever reason you had to wait a little bit to, to play it. I never had to go a two-week stretch, but I remember that that feeling of, you know, just knowing that you can play it soon and taking the box out and almost caressing the box and reading the box and memorizing, uh, you know, the words in the instruction manual and things like that before you actually got to experience the game. So thank you so much for sharing that. I love that story. Uh, up next, we have a memory from Dark Child uh, 28. For me, it was getting a copy for Christmas in 1989 alongside Strider and my NES action set. I'd already played Mega Man 2 most of the way through at friends' houses when they'd rent it, but the communal nature of playing in a single-player game with a bunch of friends always ended up with me being shoved into the background and rarely getting to play, since I was obviously, quote, bad, quote, at NES games, not having a system of my own yet. Well, that Christmas morning, I pretty much stopped unwrapping stuff once I got to the NES stuff, set up the system, fired up Mega Man 2, and played straight through to the end. Once I'd beaten the game, my parents started trying to both comfort and lightly scold me. Well, you've beaten it already, and we can't get you any more games right now. Until they saw me hit reset, after the credits completed, of course, and start playing through it again. Mega Man 2 is my favorite NES title, so there isn't anything that I don't love about it. However, my favorite part of the whole game is the ending. The scene of Mega Man stalwartly walking through all conditions every season just to get back home. If the series had ended right there, with his helmet discarded on the hillside above his home, indicating that he'd given up fighting and found his peace, I wouldn't have been upset. I think that ending is one of, if not the deepest scene in any game of the era. Yeah, I totally agree. Again, that ending is fantastic. Uh, I will link up a YouTube video in the show notes for this. So powertimepodcast.com slash seven. I will link up a video to both the intro and the uh, ending to Mega Man 2. So you can check it out and relive this uh, yourself. So I want to say thanks again to those Reddit users for giving me permission to share their stories and for also uh, sharing their stories on Reddit. Uh, great community. There are many more on Reddit if you want uh, to go search for Mega Man 2 in r slash NES. And I will also link up that Reddit post so that you can check it out as well. I also want to quickly give a shout out to John Harrison of classicallytrained.net, which is an amazing site to check out. I'll link up the show notes to John's Mega Man 2 retrospective 
uh, John recounted in his article that he used to create his own two by two inch uh, password booklets complete with a cover sheet in color. And I absolutely remember doing this as well, especially uh, for games that were rentals because I would keep all of my passwords in a trapper keeper uh, so that if I re-rented a game, if I went and got another game again, uh, I would be able to continue my progress and I would have that all saved. You know, also later when you would rent games where saves were stored on the cartridges, it would be so amazing to rent a game and see that there was a save file on there, you know, like a link to the past where you're already, you know, three-fourths of the way through the game or maybe even all the way to the end. Super, super awesome. Uh, so thank you, John, for sharing that as well. Uh, I'll link that up. But we got to keep moving. We got to keep moving. I couldn't resist sharing some of these stories and playing all of the amazing music here, uh, but we got to get this uh, show on the road. Uh, but before we do that, I'm going to sneak in one more track. So this is perhaps one of the most popular tracks. Uh, this one has been done by orchestras, metal bands, uh, you name it. Uh, it is Dr. Wiley's theme uh, from, I believe, the first stage in Dr. Wiley's castle. Uh, and here is one of my favorite renditions. This is a mariachi cover by Mariachi Entertainment System of Dr. Wiley's theme. So there are a billion ways to play Mega Man 2 in 2016, from securing a cart through eBay or a local vintage shop uh, to downloading on one of the many virtual console stores out there. Uh, if you're patient, you can also find Mega Man 2 on the forthcoming NES Classic Edition console that Nintendo will be releasing this fall. I'm really, really excited for this. Uh, you can also play through the Mega Man Legacy Collection on PS4, Xbox One, and 3DS, which of course has Mega Man 1 through 6. And I've actually been playing on the Mega Man Anniversary Collection for PS2, uh, and that was also released on GameCube. So I, I, I had both at one point. So you can find this game, and I urge you to find this game and play it. You will not regret it. If you haven't played this game in a while, uh, pick it up. If you get one of these collections, you'll get a great deal. Uh, six titles to play through, which is totally awesome. Uh, again, my research for this game came mostly from GameSpot 
hardcoregaming101.net and Wikipedia. So I'll link up those uh, in the show notes as well if you want to read more about this because I really just scratched the surface uh, so that I can fit in more music. So we're going to move on from Mega Man 2, but there's going to be plenty of Mega Man in our future as we move further into the years of the NES and, of course, the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. Uh, but the next review that we're going to talk about is for Faxanadu. This title is advertised uh, as Nintendo's newest role-playing game. The World Tree has always protected your village, providing it with shelter and life-giving water. But now the evil one from the underworld threatens the World Tree and your town's very existence. Returning from a long journey, you find that your hometown of Eolus has almost become a ghost town of crumbling buildings. The life-giving elven fountain has dried up, and hideous creatures led by the dwarves of the underworld have ruined your town and robbed your people. uh, You control the hero of this story, embarking on a dangerous mission through the five towns of the World Tree. Uh, So very, very, uh, I would say very stereotypical kind of uh, mythical RPG setting here, a uh, mythical story where, of course, you take control of the hero uh, needing to save the town and kind of unravel this mystery. Uh, so Nintendo Power offers up uh, some maps and strategies with a few of the towns uh, and some general gameplay tips here. And if you want to play Faxanadu today, you can. It is on the Wii Virtual Console, which you can access through the Wii or the Wii U. Up next, we have Dragon Warrior. It's been a long time coming, but finally there's a role-playing game for the NES that draws you into the heart of the action. In the distant land of Alephgard, a story unfolds with you as the hero, a descendant of the great warrior Erdrich, uh, who once fought and conquered a great evil. So shout out to descendants of Erdrich, one of my favorite, favorite bands uh, covering and, and kind of paying tribute to video game music, obviously named after Dragon Warrior. Uh, in this uh, partic- particular issue of Nintendo Power, uh, Nintendo Power has to explain once again what an RPG is because this is a new genre for some people. Uh, it goes through the text commands that are available. So this is a text command type of RPG. You can talk, fight. Uh, you can use items, conjure up spells. Uh, talking about the importance of the talk command, uh, there are lots of illustrations here that show the game uh, versus actual screenshots. Uh, so the screenshots that they do show are very text-heavy. Uh, But they show off the different items that you can use, uh, an herb, torches, uh, the wings of the wyvern, uh, different spells that you can use, sleep, hurt, repel, heal, return, uh, and some early tips here to get started, uh, just to give you a taste of the gameplay for Dragon Warrior. Uh, And I didn't get into traditional RPGs really until the SNES, uh, so I totally missed this and some of the original uh, kind of RPG quests on on the 8-bit generation. So like Final Fantasy, for example, I've replayed Final Fantasy much later uh, after having experienced, you know, Final Fantasy 6 VI and 7. I went back and played the original, but I never played Dragon Quest. Uh, so it's totally on my radar of a game that I should play. Uh, after that, Strider uh, kind of gets another extended review after being previewed a few weeks back. Uh, there are maps for the first four stages. And again, Strider is pretty awesome. The maps look great. Uh, and I'm going to do something different. I'm going to skip my weekly pitch segment that I usually play to join Power Time Unlocked, our Facebook community. Uh, and I'm just going to um, also skip the pitch to leave a review on iTunes. Instead, 
Uh, I'm just going to quickly read a recent review on iTunes, and I will humbly ask uh, you to do one thing, uh, and it's not going to be leave a review. If you liked this episode at all, I, it would absolutely make my day if you would just pass it on to just one person. Maybe it's an old friend uh, that you used to play NES with or Super Nintendo with. Uh, maybe it's a relative, a cousin, a brother, a sister. Maybe it's a spouse uh, who's extra nerdy. Uh, but just a quick Facebook message or an email saying, hey, what's going on? You know, haven't talked in a while. Or maybe it's someone that you talk to frequently. And you just say, hey, what's up? You know, you might totally dig this Power Time podcast. Uh, this this weird, geeky, nerdy guy uh, in the middle of nowhere outside of Philadelphia is putting together this thing. Uh, and uh, you might actually like it. You know, just pass that on and uh, see if people do. Uh, that would absolutely blow my mind uh, if everybody that listened could pass it on to one person. I'd really, really appreciate it. So I'm going to read a quick review. Uh, I just want to give a shout out to CSTJKA is the username. Uh, the review title is Love This Show. Thank you. Uh, such a great ad- idea to review the history of Nintendo through Nintendo Power. Can't wait to revisit my childhood listening to this podcast. Great work, Tom. So I just want to say thanks. I really appreciate that. And that's why I'm here. Uh, I am revisiting my childhood uh, and hoping that you can do so uh, by proxy. Uh, Just hanging out, listening to some old NES tunes and talking about games. Uh, So if you're digging this, pass it on to one person. That would be awesome. So we're going to move into our next segment, which is previews. Uh, so the first preview that we get is RoboCop by Data East. And I just have to ask, what was RoboCop rated? Was it rated PG or PG-13 or was it rated R? Because I remember having this game and it was a very, very violent game. Uh, you get a look here in Nintendo Power at RoboCop's high-tech chassis. Uh, his biometabolizer, his oil pressure motor unit, interface needle, shockproof frame, short-range sensor, main fuel batter, uh, the bulletproof and heatproof soft armor, and his gun holder. And he picks up a lot of guns in this game. Uh, so maps and strategy here for RoboCop, which was, you know, if I remember correctly, a fairly straightforward title. You walk around, you jump, you take out enemies. But the music in RoboCop was really, really great. Uh, RoboCop and Data East uh, had some awesome soundtracks back in this era. Uh, and I'll share a link to a particular YouTube video at powertimepodcast.com slash seven if you want to check out the soundtrack to RoboCop. Uh, I was listening to it a few nights ago and it really, really brought me back because again, I own this game. Uh, and RoboCop is the game that gets the pullout poster uh, for this issue of Nintendo Power. Up next, we have DuckTales, uh, and we are going to be covering DuckTales extensively in the next issue. It is the featured game uh, for issue eight of Nintendo Power. But here we get a glimpse of the stage select screen. Scrooge, of course, sitting in front of his massive mega computer uh, where he can choose to go to the Amazon, Transylvania, the African mines, the Himalayas, or my favorite stage, the moon. Uh, This game is all about the search for treasure. There's the scepter of the Incan king, the coin of the lost realm, the crown of Genghis Khan, the giant diamond of the inner earth, and the green cheese of longevity, which of course is what you get on the moon. Uh, Rather than the poorly illustrated renditions of these characters that you often get in the pages of Nintendo Power, where just some staff illustrator has to create their own mock-ups, 
Uh, we actually get the licensed illustrations from the DuckTales cartoon, which is super, super refreshing. We have Huey, Dewey, Louie, Launchpad, and Webby. They're all here. Uh, and of course, Scrooge McDuck. Uh, the items are reviewed here. Uh, there are going to be cakes and ice cream uh, for energy, which of course I remember. Diamonds to accumulate, accumulate wealth and points. Magic coins for invincibility. And these little Scrooge dolls, uh, these little statues uh, will serve as one-ups. We are also teased with some of the gameplay details. We learned a little bit about Scrooge's moves. Uh, of course, he has the golf swing and the pogo jump uh, using his cane. Very, very uh, distinctive moves uh, that were used in this particular game. Uh, and I think that's what most people remember it for. There are maps for the Amazon and some teasers for the additional lands that you'll be traversing. Uh, and please, please, if you enjoyed DuckTales, be on the lookout for next week's episode of the Power Time Podcast, uh, where we're going to be covering it uh, very extensively. After that, we have Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Uh, this was a game that I also owned. Uh, this was also using the officially licensed characters in Nintendo Power, which is great. So we have the actual uh, illustrations of Roger Rabbit and not some crude uh, example. One of my favorite movies and one of my favorite games as a kid, uh, despite the game being incredibly uh, difficult. We see that there will be an element of detective work and discovery here, as well as an element of driving. Uh, so this game will feature the ability to summon Benny the Cab with the whistle item so that you can drive around uh, Toontown and get to where you need to go. Also, uh, selecting the right punchline when the weasels catch you. Uh, this was an interesting little interlude where if you got caught by the weasels, they would tell you a joke uh, and then you would have to select the right punchline or else you would not. Uh, you would take some damage, I think, if you didn't select it uh, appropriately. After that, there is another preview for Iron Sword. Uh, for video shorts, this uh, issue, we have Bad Dudes by Data East, The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, Guerrilla War by SNK, King's Knight from Square, which actually just ended up in the news recently. Uh, I believe that's getting some type of treatment from Square uh, Square Enix right now. Uh, Defender of the Crown by Ultra, To the Earth, Shooting Range, Sesame Street, ABC, The Adventure of Dino Riki by Hudson. And then for Packwatch, we actually get a huge feature on the Game Boy. So we talked a little bit about this last uh, last week. This is Nintendo's new compact video game system. Uh, featured here, uh, we get a full look at the form factor of both the Game Boy itself and its cartridges. So we get a look for the first time of the mini cartridges that will be used for the Game Boy. Uh, we learn a little bit more about its stereo headphones. And I remember those stereo headphones pretty fondly. They were very puffy, primitive earbuds. Uh, you know, they managed to fit in your ear, even though they seem to be like super, super big back in the day. And uh, we also learned about the video link cable. And I also remember the link cable pretty fondly because I remember playing uh, player versus player Tetris with my sister on long car rides. Uh, that was kind of a staple of our youth. We played a lot of uh, PVP Tetris using that link cable. Also included uh, the game. Uh, that was going to be included with the Game Boy was revealed in this issue. And it was kind of a surprise. It's not Super Mario Land, as you might expect, but rather it is Tetris. Uh, and I think this is a really smart move by Nintendo. They packaged up the Game Boy with a very addictive puzzle game uh, that was originally developed for the PC. 
Uh, and you know, this game, uh, there's, there's quite a bit of a backstory regarding the rights to Tetris. And we're going to cover that in a future episode. Uh, but I think it's a really smart move just to kind of package such an addicting game, uh, you know, with the repetitive music, uh, game, a game that you can play in really short bursts. Uh, so they had kind of a long mode and a short mode, uh, mo- type A and type B, I believe. So, you know, really, really interesting uh, game to package up. Very, very impressed by Nintendo's choice there. So according to Nintendo Power, the Game Boy should start appearing on store shelves in early September. And we'll check back next issue uh, to hear what they have to say about that. So again, in Packwatch, we also get a little bit of Double Dragon 2, the sequel to Double Dragon, Bigfoot, Terminator, Ghostbusters 2, Super Off-Road, Marvel's X-Men, a little bit more about Tetris, uh, the NES version, Shadowgate, NES Play Action Football, uh, which kind of reveals that it's going to have four-player support, uh, which is pretty interesting, using a peripheral uh, device that Nintendo is going to release, and Jack Nicholas Golf, along with Top Gun 2 and a few more titles. So we're going to move on to the next segment of the show. Moving through here, the next segment is called That's So Retro. Uh, The first piece of uh, That's So Retro is from Mailbox. And Mailbox was a collection of letters from readers uh, to the producers of uh, Nintendo Power. In this particular issue, uh, a a fan shares a photo of a home-built arcade cabinet that houses an NES console and controllers and games. And you know, it's pretty rad. It's pretty retro, definitely super retro. And, you know, with the Raspberry Pi and a bunch of mini computers uh, building these home projects, uh, these home consoles, it's becoming more and more popular. I'm seeing articles all the time, you know, use a Raspberry Pi to uh, turn an NES game cartridge uh, into a fully functional NES uh, emulator machine. And I myself built a RetroPie uh, mini cabinet earlier this year, and it's been a lot of fun. It's been totally awesome. Uh, I got all the wood sourced uh, from a kit, uh, and it was a lot of fun. It was a really fun project, and I have a lot of great games to play on there. This issue also marks the one-year anniversary of Nintendo Power, and as they put it, uh, one year down and fun to go. And to uh, kind of feature the anniversary, they have this one-year one-up special where they expose the hidden locations of one-ups in a bunch of games. So they have Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario 2, Bionic Commando, The Adventure of Link, uh, Goss, Ninja Gaiden, Solomon's Key, Super Pitfall, Gradius, Stevius, Zanuck, and Mega Man. So they have a bunch of games here. Uh, And the idea of the one-up, so I included this in That's So Retro because the idea of the one-up, it feels super retro to me. You know, it's not that one-ups and kind of that life system doesn't exist anymore in video games, but I feel like more games these days tend to only have kind of a checkpoint system and unlimited restart mechanics these days where you just restart at whatever checkpoint you died at uh, until you continue through and save your game. But one-ups were definitely crucial back in the NES day. If you knew the locations, you were definitely going after them. After that, for That's So Retro, uh, we also have the Super Mario Brothers Super Show cartoon profiled on page 93. And if you remember this cartoon, it starred Lou Albano. Uh, Not mentioned in this article, though, so I don't know if he officially signed on or if they were holding that information. But, you know, some fun facts on this retro live-action cartoon mashup. 
things that I learned for the first time. The live action piece was brought to you by the same director as Pee-wee's Playhouse. And you can definitely feel that kind of similarities looking back, just kind of having guest celebrities pop in and out uh, in some of the uh, zany, kooky things that they would do in the live action sequences. Uh, And then the animation was brought to you by the team that did the Ghostbusters and the ALF cartoons. Uh, And I can kind of remember both of those, uh, but I can certainly see the resemblance there as well. Uh, These episodes, this particular show, it was a ton of fun. Uh, I recently watched a few with my son. I believe it's on Netflix now. So if you want to check these out, you can definitely find them. Again, that's the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Uh, Definitely a blast from the past. Super retro. Worth checking out. The featured celebrity profile this week uh, or this uh, particular issue is Michael Dorn, uh, who played Lieutenant C.J. Worf from Star Trek. Uh, So he talks a little bit about his experience with Star Trek and the Nintendo Entertainment System. Uh, And then another thing that I found in this issue that I thought was retro uh, was that you could purchase the back issues. So, you know, nowadays everything's online. If you want to find something that existed a few months ago or a year or two ago, you would check the Internet. Uh, But back in the day when we didn't have the Internet, uh, if you wanted to read a back issue of Nintendo Power and get some tips and tricks from a game that was featured a few months back, Uh, you could. You could purchase the back issues uh, through mail order through Nintendo Power. So I thought that was really, really cool and retro. And moving along to our next segment. This segment is called, Are We Having Fun Yet? And this segment is basically here just to kind of pick up some of the odds and ends of the issue. Some things that I just found to be really, really fun uh, and really interesting, but they didn't really fit in throughout the rest. So, you know, the first thing, of course, is the Howard and Nestor comic, which is typically hit or miss. This one was particularly fun uh, because it featured TMNT and April O'Neil, which wasn't really, April O'Neil wasn't really featured in the past issue at all, but she appears here uh, in the Howard and Nestor comics. Uh, We also get a retrospective on the first 100 years of Nintendo on page 92. And I thought that this was really, really cool. So, you know, here's some fun snippets from the history of Nintendo because I'm learning a lot of these things for the first time. Uh, So Nintendo was originated in 1889. So 100 years uh, since this issue was produced. uh, When Fusajiro Yamauchi began manufacturing traditional Japanese style playing cards. By 1953, Nintendo was the first company to manufacture and mass-produce plastic playing cards, uh, now also using the Western style with hearts and clubs, etc. And then they they would later partner with Disney to print Disney cards as well in the 50s and 60s. So before they even get into tech, uh, they're very heavily into these plastic playing cards. In the 70s, they did get more into the tech electronic space. And of course, in the 80s, they broke out into the arcade space with the classic arcade games that they produced, like Donkey Kong, Mario Brothers. Uh, then, of course, that brings us uh, to the release of the NES uh, in the mid-80s and uh, Nintendo Power. So quite the history, and it only goes up from here. So I'm really, really excited. You know, we we got started looking at Nintendo, the history of Nintendo, 100 years into their history. Uh, but we're going to keep going through year by year, issue, issue by issue in the Power Time podcast. So I'm really pumped uh, and I'm excited for you to be joining the ride. Uh, and then finally, uh, for the Players Poll Contest in this issue, you can win a trip to Nintendo headquarters. I love the prizes that they give out uh, for these player 
players poll contests. Uh, this one particularly, uh, winning a trip to Nintendo headquarters. I'm sure every Nintendo kid uh, back in the day would have loved this. Uh, you get to, and I'm reading this directly from the magazine, meet Howard Phillips, play games with Nintendo game counselors, test unreleased game programs, uh, and tour Seattle. Uh, there are also uh, 10 second place winners for this contest who will win a Game Boy. Uh, so very attractive prizes in exchange for all of your precious, precious market research data. Again, you had to fill out a lot of information to enter this contest. All precious data for Nintendo. So that's going to bring us to the conclusion segment of this episode of the Power Time Podcast. Again, this has been a blast. I hope that you enjoyed it. I filled it with as much amazing Mega Man 2 music as possible because I love that stuff and I hope that you do too. Uh, But before we leave today, let's just review the top 10 games uh, from issue 7, the May-June 1989 issue of Nintendo Power, as pulled uh, from the top 30 section of this issue. So coming in at number one, we have Super Mario Brothers 2 uh, dominating the top of the charts, of course. Uh, at number two, we have Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. Number three, we have Ninja Gaiden. At number four, we have The Legend of Zelda. Number five, we have Tecmo Bowl. Number six, we have Blaster Master. At number seven, we have Bionic Commando. At number eight, we have Castlevania 2, Simon's Quest. At number nine, we have Mega Man 2 featured in this particular issue. And at number 10, we have Double Dragon. So a lot of interesting moves uh, in this week's top 10. So up next week in the preview for the following issue, uh, we see that we'll be receiving another Super Mario Bros. 2 tip book. Uh, We'll be learning a little bit more about Dragon Warrior, Fester's Quest, Roger Rabbit, and of course, uh, we'll be digging deep into DuckTales. So again, I want to give a shout out to the featured music for this particular episode. So let's run through the list. First, we heard from Azor Flux, the unofficial theme to the Power Time podcast, and that is Eat My Chips. After that, we heard in the year 200X and the title theme by Mega Beardo. We heard Airman by The One-Ups. We heard Mash Crayon by Arm Cannon. After that, we heard The Advantage playing the Stage Select and Metal Man theme. We heard the Megas playing their track, Man of Fire. We heard Careless Juja's rendition of Bubble Man. We then heard Mega Ran's track, Grow Up, which features Woodman's theme. We heard Flashman's theme by The Advantage. Then we heard uh, the Quick Man segment from Mini Boss's Mega Man 2 Medley. And uh, finally, uh, we heard Mariachi Entertainment System's version of Wily's theme. I also played a few musical interludes for Mega Man 2 as performed by Bit Brigade. So you may remember in the Ninja Gaiden episode, I believe that was episode 5, uh, we listened to a lot of Bit Brigade who covered the entire Ninja Gaiden uh, soundtrack. Uh, they actually put out one of the best tributes to Mega Man 2. Same deal, they played the entire soundtrack, uh, note for note. I think they actually re-recorded it Uh, a second time. The sound quality on the second recording is fantastic. So along with Mega Beardo's guitar tribute uh, album, I think that these are some of the best renditions of these uh, entire soundtracks. So if you want the full package, check those out, you know, in my humble opinion, of course. Uh, And I'm going to actually link up on the show notes, a video from Bit Brigade performing the entire soundtrack with a live playthrough of the game. 
It is just absolutely magnificent. I watched this video multiple times and I definitely think you're going to love it. Uh, So check that out on the show notes. So a ton of amazing music. Again, uh, check out powertimepodcast.com slash seven and I'll be linking up uh, to where you can support all of these artists because they need our support. Not that they're all, you know, poor, broke, starving artists. I really don't know what their financial situations are personally, uh, but they need our support because they need fans like us to let them know that we really appreciate and we want to support uh, them continuing to create this amazing music. Um, so I appreciate that. So I want to quickly remind everybody that all of these issues are available to read online at retromags.com. Uh, and you'll need to sign up for an account to get access to the issues, but they are up there. So I'll put on the show notes of every episode where you can go actually check out these issues uh, because they're a really fun read. So I hope you enjoy kind of the audio version of me going through the issues. But if you want to check them out for yourself, if anything interests you, uh, our good friends over at retromags.com are hosting all of these uh, archived issues. All right, power players, that is going to wrap up today's episode. I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, And if you had a fun time kind of zapping back to the past, please consider a quick review on iTunes at powertimepodcast.com slash iTunes just to let me know what you think. Uh, A quick review helps me grow the audience, but also it really helps me improve the show experience by letting me know what you like, what you don't like, and how I can make it better. And of course, Join us next week as we dig into the Capcom Classic, one of my favorite games of all time, some of the best music, some of the best gameplay, uh, certainly based on one of the greatest cartoons of all time. Uh, That is going to be DuckTales. Until then, have a great week and keep on playing with power. (laughs) 